Well, good morning again. Week six of Fit Club. Today we're talking about marriage fit. And uh, I want to say a word of prayer before we jump into the message. I don't always do this, but um, I just... uh, I just feel a heaviness today, and the reality for all of us, if you're married here, is that you've got a 50-50 chance of making it. That divorce occurs in half of every marriage, whether you're in the church, whether you're out of the church, that's the odds that we're fighting against. That's the odds that stand against us, and so uh, it's like a flip of the coin, and so for many of us, it just feels like we can just pretend everything's okay and hope for the best, And we know that that just never works out great. And so statistically, if 50% of the marriages in this room aren't going to make it, that means that over 50% of the marriages at this point are unhealthy. Because if they're going to lead to marriage, then then they're already unhealthy. And and, uh, I believe believe that today can be a game changer for all of us. Uh, and, And if you're not married and you hope to be married, if you dream to be married, if anything inside of you wants to be married at any point ever, I hope today will be helpful. I hope today you can just allow this to to speak to who you're becoming as a person so that you can one day have a fit marriage. But for those of you here today that, that you may be on the edge of just throwing in the towel, giving up, moving on, so to speak, just want to say a prayer and just a prayer just to ask God just to speak to your heart today and if there's any hope that he can offer to you today that that he would just allow me not to get in the way and he would speak to you uh, personally. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I don't take it lightly. I know, Father, that we're not just talking today about a flippant issue that's not relevant to our lives, but we've all been affected by divorce. We've all been impacted at one level or another through our family, personally, friendships. We know the devastation that bad marriages can cause in this world that we live in, and we ask you to rescue us from ourselves that we might experience the fulfillment of marriage the way you designed it from the very beginning. So I pray for everyone listening today that you would speak personally and directly. Let your voice be heard clearly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One word of instruction before we jump into today. Uh, if, if I can just encourage you, uh, like I said, married, single, single again, whatever your situation is, uh, just to kind of take some spiritual glasses and put on, and spiritual glasses that have a mirror on the inside, meaning you're not looking at anyone else for this message. It's easy when we hear messages about difficult topics to think, oh, I hope they're listening. You know, I hope that they'll just take this to heart. And God, if we just fix them, if you just do something in their life, you know, I I wish so-and-so were here today to hear this. They need to hear this. I got to get the podcast done. This will affect them. Um, Today's for me. Today's for you. Today's for all of us. And so let's just kind of put on some spiritual glasses that have mirrors that all we see is ourselves. And let's just allow today to speak to us on a personal level. Can we do that together? Awesome. Um, I've been married almost seven years, and um, I love marriage. Marriage has changed my life forever. When I was a young kid, I dreamed of the day that I would be married. Uh, I dreamed of the woman that I would marry. I was the guy that had the list and, and all the things that I was expecting in a woman, and God has graciously given me everything that I've ever wanted 
in a woman. The first time that I saw my wife Lindsay throw a football, I was in love. It was the first day that, that we had met, and I knew then that we would get married because she could throw a football better than me, and, and it would give my kids some hope of being athletic. So that's as deep as my heart goes. Um, but she has been absolutely incredible, and uh, we've been through a lot together. Uh, from our first date, being uh, attending a funeral together, uh, to our honeymoon getting hit by a hurricane, uh, we've been through a lot together. Uh, we've, we've, we've known joy. We've known good times. We've known uh, the ease of life that's just clicking on all cylinders. And we've known difficult seasons in our marriage. We've gone through transitions with jobs. We've gone through transitions uh, of homes. Uh, we've had kids and we've miscarried. Uh, we know the pain of losing an expected child. Uh, marriage has... It's ups and downs for all of us. But I'm so thankful for marriage because it's been such a blessing to me. And I hope and pray that God's intent for marriage for all of us can be experienced because marriage is an incredible, incredible thing. It's been tainted by this world that we live in. And uh, everything that uh, could, could distract us from experiencing God's best in our marriages is going to show its face to us and try to tear us down and pull us apart. And we know people uh, who are miserable in marriages. We know people who have been hurt by marriages. We know people who have been married again. And we know the devastation that goes along with divorce and, and all of the politics that it plays in the roles of the lives of our kids and and different holidays and the whole nine yards. Marriages are extremely, extremely important. If you're married today, your marriage is either healthy or it's unhealthy. If you're not married today and anything inside of you wants to be married one day, you hope, you dream for marriage, then you are either becoming a person who will be healthy going into marriage or you're a becoming a person who's going to be unhealthy going into marriage, and that's more important than you think. In God's economy, one plus one equals one. So many times we think that one day we'll meet someone who will complete our lives and we'll forever experience the joys that we never knew when we were single, and we long for a day when we'll be complete by someone. And when we go into marriage not complete, we go into marriage not healthy, and we expect someone to fill a void in our lives that we've been irresponsible to fill or we've neglected to allow God to fill, then one plus one will never equal two. One plus one in God's economy equals one because when a man and a woman are joined together in marriage, it's a spiritual union, and the two become one flesh. It's, it's a miraculous occurrence. It's one of the greatest miracles that God offers for us. But when we're unhealthy... We become less than a complete union. And so we're starting out marriages in this life that we lead, doomed for failure. And it all starts when we're young, when we're students and we date. And our whole approach to dating these days sometimes leads to bad marriages. And we say that we're practicing for marriage or we're preparing for marriage. But truth be told, a lot of times especially in our culture, we're preparing for bad marriages and we're preparing for divorce. And we practice bad marriages before we're married and we practice divorce before it ever happens. See, so many of us think that marriage is simply 
something that's for us to make our lives better. And students, singles, what you're looking for in someone so many times is tempted to be consumed by what they offer you. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But what happens when everything that you think they have to offer will make you complete is taken away. For instance, looks are extremely important in relationships. You need to be attracted to the person that you're going to marry. But we all know that we're not going to look the same forever and there's going to come a day when we don't look like we looked on our marriage day. And in fact, we're only a car accident away from being disfigured and losing everything in an instant. And then everything that you wanted from someone can be taken away if you're not personally prepared for marriage. So I want to encourage all of our students, all of our singles to focus on who you are. We'll talk about this a little later, but marriage is a difficult thing. It's difficult. And an article came out, it, was, it went viral online a couple of months ago and was shared on Facebook millions of times and has, has gotten millions of hits and lots of publicity. And I want to read an excerpt from this for us and, and discuss a few things from it. It's an article written by a young man named Seth Adam Smith, and the name of the article is Marriage Isn't For You. Marriage Isn't For You. Let me read a portion of this. Having been married only a year and a half, I've recently come to the conclusion that marriage isn't for me. Now, before you start making assumptions, keep reading. I met my wife in high school when we were 15 years old. We were friends for 10 years until we decided no longer that we wanted to be just friends. I strongly recommend that best friends fall in love. Good times will be had by all. Nevertheless, falling in love with my best friend did not prevent me from having certain fears and anxieties about getting married. The nearer Kim and I approached the decision to marry, the more I was filled with a paralyzing fear. Was I ready? Was I making the right choice? Was Kim the right person to marry? Would she make me happy? Don't we all long for someone that will make us happy? Perhaps each of us have moments, excuse me, let me back up. Then one fateful night I shared these thoughts and concerns with my dad. Perhaps each of us have moments in our lives when it feels like time slows down or the air becomes still and everything around us seems to draw in, making that moment as one we will never forget. My dad giving his response to my concerns was such a moment for me. With a knowing smile, he said, Seth, you're being totally selfish. So I'm going to make this really simple. Marriage isn't for you. You don't marry to make yourself happy. You marry to make someone else happy. More than that, your marriage isn't for yourself. You're marrying, you're marrying for a family, not just for in-laws and all that nonsense, but your, for your future children. What do you wanna, who do you want to help raise them? Who do you want to influence them? Marriage isn't for you. It's about you. It's not about you. Marriage is about the person you married. It was in that very moment that I knew that Kim was the right person to marry. I realized that I wanted to make her happy, to see her smile every day, to make her laugh every day. I wanted to be a part of her family and make my family want to be a part of ours. And thinking back on all the times I've seen her play with my nieces, I knew that she was the one whom I wanted to build our own family. Marriage isn't for you. And this got millions of shares. And light bulbs went off for people. And they say, oh, I get it. I get it. Marriage isn't for me. I get it. I finally understand marriage isn't for me. And this article has impacted people and 
It's been debated. It's been criticized. It's been embraced. And while I think that there is some incredible wisdom in some of the words in this article, I don't really find it biblical. There's no scripture that, that he shared and nothing in scripture that directly communicates what he shared in this article. And while I think it's brilliant to have a mindset that's not selfish in marriage and understanding that your wants and your desires and your needs aren't always a priority in marriage, I don't think it's completely biblical. Now, let's, before we look at some scripture and kind of tackle some of what I want to tackle today, let's, let's just kind of be logical together. If two people marry one another, beautiful love story, they each have expectations, they each have deep desires and wants and needs that they are expecting, and that dominates their relationship, after they say I do, it's, it's obvious, it's, it's common sense that they're going to butt heads, that there's going to be issues, that if two people are both fighting for priority in a relationship, then yes, that selfishness can drive people apart. So I think that there's wisdom in some of these words, but I think it does an injustice to marriage when we embrace them at face value. And here, here's what I want you to know today, single people, married people, marriage is for you. Marriage is one of the biggest blessings that you will ever experience. God doesn't expect you not to receive anything from marriage. God designed marriage, in fact, to give you something. He wants something for you in marriage. And so while it's important for us to understand that selfishness at the heart of marriage is a very destructive thing, I think to say that marriage isn't for us altogether is, is quite unbiblical, actually. And so I want to go to Genesis chapter 2 and share a few thoughts with you that hopefully will transform our attitude and our mindset within our marriages that will help us be the people that we need to be so that we can experience what God wants for us. This is Genesis chapter number two. I'm gonna start reading in verse 18. God in chapter one had created in six days all of creation. And uh, he said that all of it was good. And uh, we get to Genesis chapter two, verse 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. All the creatures, all the creation, he created Adam, the first man out of the dust to the ground, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being and he gave man dominion over all the creatures that moved along the ground and the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. But he was alone and there was no one suitable for him. And so listen, listen, to, what, listen to what God says. Listen to God's heart for Adam here. He says, I will make a helper, helper suitable for him. Marriage, marriage is, is for you. It wasn't good that Adam was alone. It wasn't good that he didn't have companionship. It wasn't good that there wasn't anyone to help him, to support him, to be there with him. It wasn't good for him to be all alone. And so God said, I'm going to create a wife for you, Adam. I'm going to give you a gift that's going to change everything. And so listen 
to how God goes about it. Verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals, but for Adam no suitable, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed the place up with flesh. So if God took one of the ribs from the man, it left a void. So he now has this rib. It says, the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. That's my favorite part of the story. Marriage is a good thing. Marriage is for you. And God saw that Adam was alone. And that no suitable helper was found for him on all the earth. And so he took from Adam and created a wife. And Adam called her woman. For she was now bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. Here's what I want us to know today. Marriage is for you, but it's first you for. Marriage is for you, but it's first you for, meaning you for someone else. It's something that you give to receive what God has for you. It's not two people receiving and not giving anything. It's two people being for the other and in return receiving something from it. And so, so notice this, notice this, men alone, needed something. God gave them, gave man, woman. That's, that's what was for him. The woman was for him. But notice this, before the woman was for him, he was for the woman because the rib came from him to create what was for him. So he gave something up in order to receive something that God had for him. Women, Man's need for companionship preceded your creation. Here's how I like to say it. Men, what you're missing in life is found in your wife when it comes to marriage. You're missing a rib. The rib made the woman. What you're missing is found in your wife. And women... What you need, your very source of existence, is, comes from your husband. And so before she got a rib for existence, there was a need for companionship for him. And so she offered something to get something, and he offered something to get something. And that is the beautiful dependence that God created for marriage. Marriage is for you, but it's first you for your spouse. And that's, if you hear nothing else today, I hope that you'll hear and understand this can be the year, this can be the week, this can be the day, this can be the time of your life when you experience the most that God has for you in a spouse by understanding that you first have to be for your spouse to receive what they 
give to you. It's this dependence that God created one for another. I love that the portrayal of marriage isn't that man was alone and God created someone out here secondary and just gave them to the man just for his good pleasure, just for him to enjoy life and have everything that he wants. Because if that were the case, then that would mean that women were simply designed to serve men. That what women offer is secondary from anything they'll ever receive, that that they just need to suck it up and know their role and do what they're supposed to do. There's some old school thinking that goes like that. You've probably got grandparents or great-grandparents that had relationships that looked a little like that, looked a little unbiblical probably. A little old-fashioned, a little you do your job and don't worry about me, I'll take care of myself, meet my needs, I'll talk to you how I want. There's probably still some of that today. But I love that God said, I'm not just going to give you something. I'm going to take something from you to create what you need. So that you'll understand that what's missing in you is found in her. That's why men, it's important for you to understand that it was something physical that God took out of Adam to make Eve. And so what was missing in him was was physical, and I believe that this is why men struggle so much with physical dependencies. It's somewhere inside of them they feel like something's missing, and so they, they turn to something that will meet some physical needs in an effort to try to cope with what's missing in their life. And we know that God designed women to fill that need, but men turn to a number of things to find fulfillment. Everything from addictions to pornography and alcohol and substances. And a lot of what men struggle with is, is physical addictions. I believe it's because God created a physical void in man that's meant to be, it's designed to be completed and fulfilled by woman in the confines of marriage. And women were created... To be companions, that's what women gave to men. Women gave companionship to men. So the void in a woman's life is that companionship. It's usually more emotional. It's what she offered to him in exchange for the very source of her existence. That's why women love gossiping websites and just soap operas and All that kind of good stuff. Stuff that's more emotional than physical. Stuff that drives them towards companionship and feeling like they belong and feeling like they're in the know and feeling like it's because there's a void in their life based on what they're intended to offer people in companionship and they turn other places rather than finding that true companionship that they're supposed to offer their husband by definition. And so when men can understand that women offer them companionship and therefore they have a void of companionship that they need to fulfill, and when women can understand that men gave them a rib and so they have a void of physical and so they offer 
to meet those needs, then we see two people completing each other. It's like puzzle pieces fitting together. It's like God designed something so beautiful, yet so intricate. And if we're not careful, rather than trying to fulfill and meet the needs, the void to complete what our spouse needs, we focus on what's missing in us. And instead of allowing our spouse's to fill those needs, we search for them on our own. And when we begin to search to fill needs in our marriages on our own, outside of our spouse, that's when marriages get in trouble. That's when marriages become unhealthy. And students, that's when you find yourself far from the love story that you're dreaming of and expecting. And everything's all beautiful and my high school sweetheart and we're all together and everything's great and we say I do and we walk out. And then the next chapter begins. If we're not careful before long, that love story is something in a distant past and we find ourselves wondering how can we even live with this person? I don't even like this person, much less love this person. It's a dangerous thing. And I believe that it all goes back to understanding that while marriage is for you and marriage has a ton to offer you, you are first for your spouse. And so with our spiritual glasses that have mirrors on the inside and we're looking at ourselves, the question for us all is, are we being the person that our spouse needs so that we can in turn receive what we need from our spouse? Are we allowing ourselves to be by design who God created us to be to fulfill in our spouses what they need from us? Because I promise you, if you'll both focus on that, if a husband and a wife will both focus on that, it'll be a healthy marriage. Listen, we could, we could talk about love languages. We could, we could talk about approaches to finances. We can talk about all the things that you can go to marriage conferences and seminars and all that kind of stuff, but it's all going to boil down to are you married to someone who's for you and are you for someone that you're married to? Because if it's not you for before for you, it's not going to be healthy. It's not healthy. And so here today, sitting, maybe we're beside a spouse, maybe we're not beside a spouse. Uh, maybe we're hoping, planning to be with someone in the confines of marriage of someone sitting next to us. The question that dominates our mind can't be, what are they offering for me? But it's got to be, what am I offering to them? It's amazing what will happen in a marriage when people selflessly offer themselves to one another. I believe that it's important for us to understand that this isn't just like a one-time occurrence when this theme is talked about in the Bible. The book of Ephesians is a letter that was written to a church in Ephesus by a man named Paul, and he writes a portion of this letter about the topic of marriage. And in chapter 5, I'm going to read a portion of this for you. He speaks to married people. He speaks about the topic of marriage, and he speaks to the health of marriage. And listen to what he says in verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. It's a picture of two people selflessly coming together, considering the other above themselves, allowing themselves to meet the needs of the other person in the relationship and not just taking and not just receiving and not just expecting, but coming with this attitude of saying, what can I do for you and how can I complete you and how can I serve you? And when two people do that together, out of reverence for Christ, it's a beautiful thing. It's a healthy marriage. Seems simple, but it's so difficult. He speaks to wives next. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Obviously, he had to put own in there. Submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Notice how he throws a relationship with Christ into the mix of how we approach our spouse. He doesn't say wives become slaves of your husbands. He doesn't say wives, you have to like do everything that your husband tells you to do and your life has to be miserable and you have to live a life that seems like you're in bondage and, and your only job is just to make your husband happy. But he says, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. With allowing yourself to realize you have something that I need And I come before you humbly desiring to offer myself wholly and completely in surrender to who you are for me. For the husband is the head of the wife, as as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. So, So Paul gives us order in the household that the man is the head of the household and the woman is to submit to the man not because he dominates her and makes her life miserable but because he's a reflection of Christ in the midst of that household. Now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Everything. My my wife has modeled this so beautifully without even knowing it and allowing me to lead our family through some difficult decisions and, and starting a church was one of the hardest things that I ever did and it didn't start with the process of training to start a church, it started with struggling in my own mind of whether I was hearing God or not. Struggling in my own mind, are you really telling me to do this and sharing it with my wife and her eventually just saying yes, this is God telling us to do this and I will do whatever it takes for you to follow God's call in your life. And it was a beautiful thing that helped us navigate some things in life. And I love her so much for that. And you have stories of your own, I know. So wives, you're to submit to your husbands. And then he turns around and you say, well, that's not really fair. It's like the guy's got the upper position in the marriage. But he turns around and after he tells a wife to submit to a husband, he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church And gave himself up for her. She's got to submit to you, but you got to die. You see the dependence here? How it's one, it's you for your spouse in order to receive what's for you. So husbands, we have a call in our lives to to love our wives as Christ loved the church, which he gave himself for that that we sacrifice, that we give of ourselves, that we deny ourselves, that we don't allow ourselves to be king of the house and expect everything to be served, but we make sure 
that we're dying to ourselves. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. When you learn to love your wife sacrificially, it will ignite something in her that will cause her to want to submit to you. And when you submit to him, it will cause him to want to love you sacrificially. And when he loves you sacrificially, it will cause you to want to submit to him. And when you submit to him, it will cause him to want to love you sacrificially. And it's this beautiful dependence that that God designed from the very beginning in marriage that Paul illustrates through a relationship with God. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for his body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, he quotes Genesis here, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Notice the different languages there. Men love wives. Wives respect husbands. Men need respect. Women need love. Women need security. They need to be provided for. Men need to be respected and not talked down to. It's this dependence on one another. And, and we could talk to her blue in the face about how to approach conflict in marriage and and how to navigate the bedroom and how to approach finances. But at the heart of it, if you don't have a heart that says, it's me for you before it's you for me, it's not going to work. It's just a flip of the coin and you're just hoping maybe I'll be one of the 50% that'll make it. But if we can allow ourselves to be who God designed us to be in marriage, then we will experience what he has for us. Marriage is for you. But first, it's you for someone else. So, women, here's your homework. Here's your task. This is, this is what you're asking yourself if you're married. What's missing in my husband that I can be for him? Because what's missing in him is found in you. He's got to avoid what's missing in him that's found in you. And pour all your energy into submitting yourself to be that for him. And watch him come alive. And watch him love you sacrificially. And watch him experience what God intended to be for him. And making him happy. And then men, what does your wife need? What's she in need of? It was the rib that was her source of existence. What is it that your wife needs? Be that. Be that. And when you focus on looking at what your wife needs and when she focuses on looking at what you're missing and you're mutually submitting to one another as Paul instructs us as married couples to do, then we'll experience what's for us. I want you to know marriage is such a beautiful thing and marriage is for you. And you can experience the greatest blessings that you'll ever experience by living life 
married to someone who you love, who you care for, and who loves and cares for you, but it'll never work the way God intended it if there's not dependence on one another. And so I encourage you to have a you for marriage before a for you marriage. And when you have a you for marriage, it'll be for you. And you'll experience all the blessings that you'd ever want. And now single people, let me talk to you before we close and pray together. There's a pastor at a church in Alpharetta named Andy Stanley. And in a sermon that he addressed single young people, he gave this word of encouragement and I think it speaks for itself and I don't need to try to outdo what he's already said. Your job is to become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. Become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I know that you're looking for someone. I know that you're dreaming. I know that you have a list. I know that you have expectations and this is what the perfect person for me will look like and this is what the perfect person for me will, will be like and how they'll treat me and what that'll happen and you'll focus all your energy on what they'll be for you and then you'll, you'll realize one day I was really looking for that person, but that person wasn't looking for me. And if you'll become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, then when you find the person you're looking for and they're looking for you, it'll be the beginning to a beautiful marriage. They will have a chance. Stop looking for something in someone else that will complete you and become complete, become whole in yourself. Learn to depend on it all. And now let me talk to all of us as we close. Here's the secret sauce in all of this. Marriage isn't just a decision. It's not just a contract between two people. It's a covenant between a man, a woman, and God. And without God in that mix, it's not the marriage that God intended. And so while what's missing in you is found in your future wife, in your current wife, it's first got to be found in Christ. And you first have to be made whole by Jesus. You first have to find hope in him. You first have to come alive in him because until you do, you can't be what your spouse needs because you're not whole. And when you're not whole, you're looking for someone to make you whole. And when you're looking for someone to make you whole, you're not focused on making someone else complete and only Jesus can make you whole only Jesus can complete you and women until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ until you experience being born again and accepting Christ as savior and allowing him to make you a new creation and complete your life until you're complete in him you'll never be able to offer him what he needs. And you can try all you want, you can try all you want, but there are some voids that only God can fill. And so before we dismiss our time together and leave here pursuing healthy marriages and becoming fit and considering our spouses before ourselves with the mindset to receive what God has for us in marriage, I just got to challenge you and challenge your hearts and and point out that if, if you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, 
It's an uphill battle that you'll never be able to win. The hope, the good news is, even if you never get married, you can be complete. And even if you never have a husband, even if you never have a wife, you can be made whole. And you don't have to live life with voids, with something that's missing, because God wants to fill it. And when you can become complete, then you're ready for marriage. Then you're ready for marriage. So if that's you today and you say, you know what, my marriage is perfect or my marriage is in shambles or I don't think I'm ever going to get married or um, I'm just trying everything I can to find somebody that will marry me, whatever your situation is, you need to first be content in Christ and allow him to do in you what only he can do in you and then and only then will you be complete enough to be who God wants you to be in marriage. So if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, you've never willingly accepted Christ as your Savior and allowed him to make you a new creation and placed your faith in him, then today is your day to do that. And so I'm simply going to ask us to close our eyes. I'm going to say a prayer in just a few seconds. And I just want to see by show of hands if that's you today and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I'm living life without Christ. Would you just real quickly just slip a hand up and let me see who you are. You say, I'm never going to be complete outside of Christ. I can search for that in a man or woman, but only he can make me truly complete. Say this prayer with me if that's you. Say, Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to make me new. I place my faith in you. I desire to follow you all the days of my life and I ask you to make me complete. Forgive me of my sins and I commit to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.